Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. guys welcome back to the podcast today sitting down with us is coach vent i said that right right yes sir okay my last name's kachevsky that's that's why i go by coach steve they don't have to worry about my last name they don't need to worry about that um coach i appreciate you coming on my lonely podcast um just in case people live under a rock and they don't know who you are could you please introduce yourself you know where you coach at and everything like that uh, James Venn, I coach at Estacada High School, which is in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, we're a 4A Division II school. And uh, so that's kind of a mid-sized school. We're about 750 students. Uh, it's a pretty great place to coach. We get great administrative support. Uh, got a great coaching staff. Head coach is outstanding. Uh, Joe Cluley's his name. Our defense coordinator, uh, Cody Robinson's unbelievable. And then our offensive staff, guys, I always like to talk about the how because they're they're phenomenal Derek Shelton coaches offensive line Matt McHugh coaches quarterbacks Jeremy Watson coaches our receivers and Alfonso Franklin coaches our running backs and those guys are really really good we've got a great staff culture uh coach Cluley's built in our district administration from our superintendent on down uh is absolutely the best I've worked with very pro athletics they understand the value of athletics uh they support us our principal in the building and our administrative team support us. The teachers are very supportive uh, because they understand that academics and athletics go hand in hand. And we understand that athletics is, is, is not just about sport. It's also part of the academic process and uh, helping kids to achieve more than what they thought possible. And um, before I was here, before I was at uh, Estacado, I was uh, the offense coordinator at Seminole. Uh, I had been at Lubbock Coronado, which is a 6A school. We played in, uh, now they're 5A. They were 6A when I was there. Uh, we played in the same district with Odessa Permian and Midland Lee and mm-hmm. Abilene and all the Friday Night Lights schools and got to coach at Ratliff Stadium and uh, played Permian a couple times. It was a lot of fun. But Kent took the job in Seminole where he was from as the head coach, and I went with him. And uh, so I spent a couple years there. And But I commuted. It was 80 miles each way. And really tough on the family. Uh, I stayed down there during the season, during the week and ended up moving back uh, or not moving back, but this opportunity at Estacado came up in 2016 and I jumped on it. But uh, before that, I actually worked at, I was out of coaching for two years and worked in investment banking 
here in Lubbock. I had been at Truman State University coaching outside linebackers and met my wife, uh, knew I was going to marry her. And, and we were going to go through a coaching change at Truman State and opportunity came up with uh, Smith Barney. And uh, they used to have the commercials, older, old timers will know, back in the 80s with uh, John Houseman. And he used to say, Smith Barney, we make money the old fashioned way we earn it. And uh, but I went and worked with them and did mergers and acquisitions and at business and uh, business succession and exit strategies. And it was a lot of fun. It was high speed. The pay was a lot more than you make coaching. But I something was missing um, at that point. And uh, we got bought out by Morgan Stanley and I ended up getting back into coaching. But before that, I spent a few years. I was at Iowa Wesleyan University and then I was eight years in the Bronx. So I've kind of been around. I've coached in places where football is not as valued. And I've coached at the college level, was a coordinator at the college level, and then uh, was in the real world for a little while, too. So it's I'm excited to be on, and I appreciate you uh, you asking. I'm honored. So you have a lot of stuff in your toolbox. You've done a little bit of everything. Like You sound like a guy that can get any job. You've done banking. You've done coaching. You've been everywhere. Like You've got some stories, I'm sure, <laughs> from doing all that. Well, you know, I'll tell you something I learned is that um, – your degree, it, obviously, for certain things, it matters. You know, you you can't be a, an engineer without an engineering degree. Uh, you can't be a mathematician, most likely, without a math degree. But when you start talking about political science, English, writing and linguistics, even business, things that are a little less concrete, you have a broad spectrum. And people don't necessarily hire you for the degree. They hire you for your character, your work ethic, your track record. Um, things like that. And, and so it, I've learned that doors, God opens the right door at the right time for you. Uh, and you just have to know that you see the door. So, but I, it's funny, I end up being the resident financial advisor in the office, you know, guys will ask questions and, but I tell them, Hey, I use a guy, I got a guy in Dallas, Eric Bartell, who works with coaches. Eric played football. His dad was a division one coach. His dad's an athletic director right now. He's actually uh, he's in the hospital right now on a ventilator. He was off of it. He's back on. He's got COVID. But Eric is is my fi my financial guy and does a great job. Even though I know a lot about it, I, it's not something I can do full time and keep up with everything. So when in doubt, hire an expert. And uh, Eric does such a great job. I'd highly Eric should pay me right now. Eric, <laughs> if you're listening, I want some. Uh, I'll I'll bill you later. But uh. Eric does a great job making sure that every and like he's done things for me that I had never even thought of, you know, ways to to um, manage your income in a in a way that you can maximize the revenue you bring in without having to give it all back to Uncle Sam, mm -hmm. um, you know, tax strategies, um, different things with our daughter's college fund that I had never never even considered. Yeah, I, that's above my pay rate. I don't know enough to do that. Um, but you went back. I appreciate you coming on. I forgot to say that. I pre you appreciate you coming on. What I found with this podcast, I am shocked how many coaches say yes. I've had one coach say no because he coaches in college and he just said he can't do it. Like, they're not allowed. And so, like, my first time shooting my shot was Coach Kurt Hines. Like, he was my first shooting my shot to get on the podcast. And Without hesitation, he goes absolutely, and yeah, then I just phenomenal. And every coach I've sent a message to, they work so hard to make it work to come on. 
and I'm nobody. Like I'm a nobody coach in Illinois, and I'm just shocked that like, yeah, we'll come on your podcast. And I've had coaches tell me, thank you for doing this because I've never thought I would be good enough to be talking on a podcast. And that really makes me like, it makes me feel really good. It makes me feel like I'm helping somebody. Like they thought that like, I'm a nobody. What I just said, they think about themselves. Then they get on a podcast with me. We just have conversation. Like I never thought I'd be good enough to be on one. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, like this is what I'm supposed to do. I like helping people. So this helps people at the same time. It helps me, it helps them. And it certainly does. And the cool thing too, is you may have someone on that, you know, that doesn't have a, a public presence, for example, but they have great knowledge and wisdom. So now you've given them an opportunity and a platform to be able to share that. And, uh, you know, I, it's something that I, I talk about to people all the time, especially to our middle school coaches. You hear, I'm just a middle school coach. Well, you're not. No, you're not. You're the first person that's coaching this kid in organized football. Mm-hmm. Your, your experience with him is either going to make him love the game or hate the game. Um, it was interesting. John Parchman was the head coach at Midland Lee High School when Cedric Benson played there back in the mm-hmm. late 90s. And obviously, Cedric went on to a great college career at Texas, an NFL career, recently passed away in a motorcycle accident. But Coach Parchman was, was talking at a, at a coach's deal here, and he was talking about junior high coaches. Cedric Benson, a lot of people don't know this, was a seventh grade B-team center. <laughs> yes. And what Coach Parchman was talking about was he was chubby. He was not very fast. He didn't look. He was not Cedric Benson that graduated from Midland Lee High School and led him to three straight state championships in Texas. He wasn't that kid yet. Had his coaches not nurtured him and made him love the game, Cedric Benson might not have ever gone to the NFL. He might not have played high school football. So, you know, you you may think your podcast, you know, you're here kind of downgrading it, but you're providing a huge service. And every coach that comes on, they're going to give nuggets. You know, our athletic director, Mike Meeks, calls them golden nuggets. Mm-hmm. He sends texts out on Friday to all his, all his friends. Golden nugget for the week, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's always some little football term, that, I, and I love it. But uh, you're, you're giving guys an opportunity to drop some, some golden nuggets. Yeah, and then it's also free therapy during this pandemic time. Like, for people that haven't had a season yet, we get on and we talk football, and they're just – going off on football and I'm like, this is helping out to like, cause we coach for the kids, but also we coach cause we love helping the kids. There's a little bit, we love the sport. So when we can't do any of that, we can't help the kids. We can't do the sport. This is free therapy of like, I can talk about this. I can talk about this. I can learn something from maybe, maybe Steve says something I'm going to learn from. Like it just, I actually start charging people. If it's free therapy, you start charging, I guess be my side hustle. It's what's really cool that I found because of the pandemic and like we had our full season <clears throat> is there were some things that that we were, you know, I, I speak at a lot of clinics and get to know coaches all over. And I, usually at the clinics, I show something new unless I'm talking in Texas, then I don't. <laughs> but hey, this is something we're putting in. Here's some some film of us practicing this. You know, next year, I'll let you guys know how it turned out. Well, now we get to hey, this is something new we did, a little wrinkle. And now guys are calling and saying, how was that wrinkle? And now I'm, they're actually going to get to use it this year. You know, and there were some things that we put in that we didn't end up running in games that we wanted to look at, especially when you don't have, I'll tell you the biggest thing, 
that hurt us, and it's and it's going to hurt people playing in the spring. Is we didn't have an off season, mm-hmm. and we did not get to build. That's when your team's built. Your team is not built in August. It's too late. You need January, February, March, April, May, June, and July to be able to mold your team, to be able to build a culture, to be able to build accountability, build leadership skills. And when you don't have that, and then you go in and play a season, that's why when you, I think even some of the college games lack some continuity because they lacked some off-season time. And we got summer, but you're trying to catch up. So you're spending a lot of time in the weight room and a lot of time doing skills on the field and not much time doing the other stuff, but the other mm-hmm. stuff's probably more important. So, you know, that, I think that's something that for you guys that are going to, you know, like you guys said, you're supposed to start February 15th. I'm going to, I'm going to drop a golden nugget right here. Football is going to be important. I know you got to get your install done, but don't sacrifice the character, leadership and culture to install because it can give you an advantage over your opponents that aren't doing those things. Yeah, um, the school I'm at now is in Addison. It's uh, west of Chicago. It's, you know, he's he was the D coordinator. He's the head coach now. So first year, he took the job in February, and then the pandemic hits in March. And then we had our contact days. And I, I got hired in June because I thought COVID would be over, which it's not. So the first day, I couldn't be around the kids because the paperwork had to go through. But I could be on the golf cart with him driving around on the contact day. I said, aren't you glad you took this job? I won't repeat what he said because of COVID, but that's what we, he and I talked about that whole day of like, we don't know what's going to happen. Cause at the time we didn't know if we're gonna have a season period. And he's like, yeah, I want to install this defense and this offense. He goes, but we haven't had a chance to have like any team building exercises. We haven't hung out. Coaching staff hasn't even been together. It's all been through zoom, which is great, but it doesn't, it can't replace that sitting in the coach's office, hanging out, talking football, get on the same page, building that relationship, and then going on the field with those kids and doing that stuff or fundraising with them, doing all that stuff. And and then, we've, then we haven't seen them since October. We have not seen them. And wow. the coaches, we haven't sat around a table since October because we can't. And, like, we could go to people's houses, but, like, with the number spiking and them closing everything, we just don't feel right of, like, trying to do that, you know, like, People are going to look at us like, oh, they're breaking the rules. They're doing this. And like the coach called me the other day, Steve, how you doing? I haven't talked to you in like two weeks. And we talked for an hour and a half, maybe, because we're just talking. And you could tell it bothers him that a new head coach, he goes, I miss coaching football. I miss being around the kids, but I really miss sitting around with you guys and building that relationship to know when Friday night comes, there's no question that I can trust every single one of you. And we can't do that right now. And it, it sucks. That's the best way to put it. It's just, it's just awful. Yeah, it's hard. And that's something that we, we took, uh, like our offensive staff, when everything was locked down, uh, you know, we could, obviously we couldn't go up to the building and do things like that. We were meeting on Zoom. But uh, we called it the driveway. Coach McHugh, our quarterback coach, has a driveway and he's got a great, uh, really, he's a, this, this guy could be a professional chef. But Coach McHugh had us, um, had us over and we sat in the driveway and we didn't just sit six feet apart. We were outside. We sat about 15 feet apart, kind of circling the driveway. He's got a, you know, decent sized driveway. And we just, our offensive staff kind of circled it. We had a whiteboard in the middle, talked a little bit. Um, and he cooked and 
you know, we went over there a couple of times and talked. I, in fact, I don't even know if the whiteboard ever came out. I think we just talked. It was mm-hmm. more important just to spend time together. But we talked about some ideas. And I think um, having something like that's important. And then, you know, he had a couple of little minor deals over there where, you know, if we wanted to, once things had cleared up and we started workouts, um, our cases never had jumped until recently here. But then we went over there and kind of did the same thing, just social distanced and just spent that time. And I think that time is valuable. Yeah, because we kind of met in the summer when we found out about our season. And then during the contact days, we felt comfortable enough to go to a coach's house right by the school and sit outside on the big porch. We're spread out, you know. But then our numbers spiked, and that's where we kind of like, we shouldn't even be doing that because of that. And then we 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 said this. We said, you know what? Yeah, we want to install this power spread offense. We want to install this defense. Let's make it stupid simple. Let's not do everything because when we come back, we start February 15th. Our first game is March 5th. Like oh, we yeah. don't have a lot of time. So we might make it stupid. I'm stupid simple. I said, make it stupid simple. Let's put more focus on building relationships with the coaches and the kids. I don't care if we go in with two run plays and four pass games. I don't really care. I told the OCS, I really don't care. Hey, everybody. As you know, the Coach Steve Show is brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network. And in case you've missed it, they've recently partnered with FUBU TV. Now, what is FUBU TV? FUBU TV brings you 100 plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and more without the hassle of a cable contract. It is 2020. It's time to cut the cord. If you don't believe me, please click the link in the episode description or on the social media profile, and you can get a seven-day free trial. So please, again, go click on the link for FUBU TV in the episode description or in the social media profile. Get a seven-day free trial to support the Coach Steve Show podcast as well as the Unhinged Sports Network. Recently, the Coach Steve Show has joined with the Unhinged Sports Network. It's an off-the-ground sports network that has different podcasts and is playing 24-7. So it's a podcast radio type website. So every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, the Coach Steve Show will have a new episode out. And they have partnered with Fanatics.com. So what I need you guys to do is in the episode descriptions and on social media is click on the Fanatics link and go get yourself some fan gear. Any team that you want, they have the gear for. Shirts, polos, hats, pullovers that have zips, stocking stuffers, anything like that, anything. Any team you want, they have. So please just support the podcast and support the Unhinged Sports Network. Please click on the, please click on the link in the description. Please click on the link in the social media and go buy stuff. They have anywhere, anywhere. I've seen anywhere between 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% off all, all their apparel. So with sports coming back, please go get some apparel to support your team. So again, click on the link, go get yourself some gear, and thank you for all the support. We can install as the season goes along. We can make it work. And that's a mistake we made this year was trying to do a little too much with the limited time. Mm-hmm. That's kind of because we had our contact day, so the first day – we were very simple. And then as we were going, we're just kind of like, we started getting that football mode of like, Oh, we got this down. We got to do this. We got to do this. Then we had to pump the brakes. We were like, 
first of all, we're not playing until February. It's October. And then we're, we're more focused on other things. One thing we did, not that we ignore special teams. Our head coach brought up a good point. He goes, we're going to spend way more time on special teams than ever before. And I said, why? And he goes, can you imagine in February in Chicago trying to snap that football in the snow and it's frozen and trying to kick it? And I said, good point. He goes, we need to practice that now. Because in the suburbs, we're lucky enough to have an indoor track. Like the suburbs, most schools do. Central Illinois, where I'm from, they don't have that. They don't have the resources. So, like, we're going to be lucky enough to maybe go inside, but we got to compete with volleyball and soccer. So they're going to say football's played outdoors, go outdoors. So we're going to, those kids are going to have to learn how to snap. So we focus so much more time on special teams than ever before because we're more worried about that type of stuff than offense or defense. Well, I'll tell you, that's something like when I was a special teams coordinator and I've done that at a few different places. And uh, like when I was in the Bronx, I coordinated our specials for the first couple of years, in addition to being ROC. And then we had a young coach with us who took over, but we found that we wanted our special teams to make us stand out. We were kind of Beamer, Frank Beamer disciples, you know, when he was at Virginia mm-hmm. tech and Virginia tech always had crisp special teams. And you look at the number of yards exchanged each, each play. And they very rarely had a bad snap. They very rarely had a bad hold. They very rarely had a bad kickoff. They had great kickoff coverage, great punt coverage, and they blocked a lot of kicks. Mm -hmm. And we said, you know, if we can do these things really well, it'll help every other aspect of our game. And the way I look at it is every 10 yards you gain on a punt return or a kickoff return is one less first down you need to score. And every 10 yards that you move up the field, your percentage of scoring increases drastically. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, if you don't catch a punt, it's one of my pet peeves as an offensive coach. When we don't catch a punt at the 20 yard line, at the 30 yard line, and that thing rolls down to the five, well, you've just taken and put yourself in a bind that didn't need to exist from a simple skill. But then you look at it and say, how much time did we spend on it? Well, no, we had to do all this other stuff. There is something to be said for simplicity. There is something to be said for being simple on offense, defense, special teams. My goal as special teams coordinator was to make it so simple that we didn't need to spend a ton of time practicing scheme so that we could practice skill. And when we got really good at our skill, man, it was fun. I mean, it was fun. But we also could put some wrinkles in because things were simple. So it's pretty easy to put a little wrinkle in. Mm -hmm. And I know that when you do those things, like we practice kick blocks three days a week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we practiced. We had a circuit. We did. It was so easy. It took us literally, we spent three minutes blocking kicks. But in 2003, I think we blocked 11 kicks that year. In fact, we, I mean, one of the greatest things, our kids were geared up to block an extra point. They were geared up. If you scored on us, our goal was to block the extra point. Mm-hmm. We're going to block it. And that's it. We had two different block schemes that were easy, but we worked so much on the skill. How many times do you see a guy run through? He could block a kick, and he puts his hand straight up in the air. I saw a kid the other day. I was watching a high school playoff game on NFHS Network, and a kid could have blocked a. He ran past the kick. Instead, no one taught him put his hands down and out front. Mm-hmm. So we worked the. I mean, we worked that every day. You know, we worked catching punts three days a week. Same thing. We worked catching different types of punts, and then we might line up and run two punt returns and one block. 
We spent more time working individual skills. And I think that helps you. Ben, your, your head coach is on the right track right there, especially <laughs> with COVID because everybody's going to be, you know, we had the same thing down here. We had no, we didn't even have a scrimmage for our first game. So you didn't have a chance to work all that. And you saw a lot of teams struggle with special teams. And that's, that's a game changer right now. Yeah. Cause like, I've been coaching for 12 years. I think it's long enough. And he brought that up to me. I was like, I didn't think of that. And then I started to tell some of my coaching friends that have been maybe doing as long as I have, if not longer. And they go, Oh my goodness. So I'm seeing all over how it kind of trickled of like word of mouth. So now central Illinois, that's all they did. They didn't care about offense or defense. Like, Oh, I have to install this. I have to install this. They were doing special teams. And so I'm like, Coach Bazant's name. I was like, Bazant, you just changed everything. Everybody's doing special teams now. You started something. Everybody's thinking of that now. Well, it's a it was a, it's a good idea. And I'll tell you the best. I mean, the best that we've ever been on offense was when we ran. I I will tell you the best season we ever had. We were simple. We were inside zone was our identity play. We ran a couple variations of it, and we had a few tags off of it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And we could play really, really fast. And we ran inside zone, we ran power, and we ran outside zone. And that's it. And we had 14 formations. And then each week we put a new formation in. And it was something, you know, it was an exotic. We called it an exotic. Every week mm-hmm. we're going to have one thing that they haven't seen. And we're going to run it with tempo. And because we were so simple and our offensive line only had to learn three blocking schemes and two pass protections, I mean, we our kids knew what they were going to do. We weren't that athletic, but, man, I mean, we were really, really good. And 500 yards a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were really good and played a long time. And uh, sometimes you get and you try to do too much. This is one of those years when being simple – is probably going to be the best thing. And I know I look back at our season, we screwed that up, man, offensively. We, we, our kid, we, you know, like you were talking about, hey, they're getting it. Let's move on. We thought they were getting things that they were getting it in practice, but that's because a coach is standing there telling them what to do if they don't know, because we mm-hmm. know the look, you know, and then we're going to run it again. Because every kid in America, there's one universal route that every team runs. I don't know if you know this. It's the, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to do route. <laughs> All right. Set, I jog off the line. I kind of look and I realize something's going on and I run. All right. Everybody <laughs> has that. 
So we, th- we think our kids got it and they don't have it. And all of a sudden now we get into a game and you got a bunch of busts and you're frustrated. And if you're playing good teams, you're probably not winning. And that was, we struggled early playing really good teams. But um, I think that's something that, that I, you know, for younger coaches, less experienced guys that are just starting out trying to do too much is a, is a bad thing. Yeah. I, I made two jokes about the pandemic with football. The people making fun of air raid guys who want to be stupid simple, they're going to realize that you're on to something. And then the second one is you're going to see everybody doing no huddle for social distancing. So wing T teams are no longer going to huddle up. They're going to be no huddle. That didn't go over very well. I posted that somewhere that did not go over very well with the under center wing team community. I uh, uh, They put me in the wrong spot. Well, I'll tell you the interesting thing. Sports Illustrated had an article. It came out a while back. It was during football, and uh, they studied the amount of close contact that college players have. I guess they had monitors on, and very rarely in the course of a game do any two players spend 15 minutes in close contact. Mm -hmm. The closest they had, I think, and there were, I mean, it was literally thousands of players, and you can look the article up. Uh, I think they had one center and nose guard, or maybe it was a guard and a defensive tackle. There was one case where they spent about 15 minutes together. It's kind of insane to think about because you think football is this close quarter sport, but you really don't spend that much time really close to someone. You're in space and you're close to them for about three seconds. Mm-hmm. And then you play the next play and you might not be close to them the next play. You know, so it's it's or you might be close to someone else. So it's it's interesting. I, I'll tell you this. I can't wait till this thing's gone. I don't know when that's going to be, how that's going to be. But need to get it gone. Yeah, because football didn't happen. And I hadn't coached basketball. I, I took a year off of basketball, coach last year, and I was like, I want to find a basketball job. I love coaching basketball too. Football is number one, but I love basketball. And I finally found a basketball job. They hired me around the spot, and I was excited. We still don't have basketball. And I'm like, this has got to go. Like, the frustrating for Illinois is how everybody else can do it. I said this from the get-go. No, I'm going to get political for just a second. I said if a football coach ran the state, we would have been fine because we would have worked together. We would have found a solution. We would have had a team thing. And people are going to be like, I'm stupid. But I'm like, no, think about it. Like, what do coaches preach? They preach this. Well, it'd be nice to see that from our leaders, quote-unquote, because that's what we were supposed to. We were supposed to work with Indiana, Iowa, and Michigan and all of them. And say, okay, you guys came back to play. How did you do it? How do we incorporate what you did and help each other? Well, that's not the case. It's no, we're just not going to do it. And it's got to, this thing's got to end. Cause the funny yeah, thing was, we said in Illinois, the, the virus doesn't stop at the border. Like it doesn't know to stop. That's right. So if Nick Saban was in charge, COVID would be over. <laughs> It would, and he beat it twice. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's just I, I'm I'm baffled by the, and I don't I can't imagine what it's like. Uh, I'll just put it that way: to be a politician, to have to make the decisions they have to make because fifty percent of the people, the especially the way where our country is right now, mm-hmm. whatever decision you, they make, fifty percent of the people are going to say they're wrong, they're stupid. If they say we need to lock down, you're going to have people that say, well, you're taking away our freedoms. If you say 
we need to open up, you're going to have 50% of the people saying you're trying to kill grandma. You know, you they can't win. What hurts is when there's no guidance. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm going to tell you, the athletic director, uh, you know, uh, Susan Elza down here in Texas, she runs the University uh, Interscholastic Athletic League. And Charles uh, Breitar, Breitar, I'm going to say his name wrong, so I'm not going to say it. But he's he, he's the executive director. They're, uh, they are they were in communication and they were they were in communication when this all started and we shut down to say we don't have an answer yet. We're working on stuff. Know that we know that you guys are trying to figure it out. So then they came out and they said, here's what we can do right now. Can't have contact, but you can do this, this, this and this. We're going to give you more advice. We can't give you a date later in the spring. And then they came out with an announcement in May and said in June, I think it was in June or late May, we're going to give you concrete. This is how we're doing it. And they came out and said, you can start June 7th, I think was the date. So we had this communication and the governor was smart and said, I defer to them. They're the experts. They're going to consult the medical experts. They're the athletic experts. They'll consult the medical experts. And then I'm going to tell them yes or no so that they can tell you. And, of course, he let them do their thing. And that's the thing I look at other states. And it's just the lack of I'm going to make a decision definitive. And whether you like it or not, this is what's best based on the facts because the fear says don't go to school, don't play sports. That's the fear. But the facts say that schools do not have high transmission rates, uh, that we don't need to stop school, that sports have not. Texas and many other states played a fall season. We played indoor sports, had volleyball. Right now we have wrestling and basketball going. We do not have, we did not have outbreaks of cases. If a program felt they needed to, they did not play that week. If they had kids that got were positive, kids that were around them were quarantined, just like we're doing in the classroom. If a teacher tests positive and they had close contact with a kid, they quarantine the kid. They do great contact tracing. I mean, it's it. what we've done is say, this is how we're going to go about life based on the circumstances that we're given. And how can we live as close to normal as we can without putting people in harm. And then they said, to, they told teachers, if you are in a situation where you are health compromised, we're going to come up with a solution so that you can still teach your classes. And they did. And then they said to students, if you can't come back because of an issue, you're in your home or the parents, you don't feel comfortable, then they will do online learning. Has it been perfect? Absolutely not. But we have some sense of kids getting what they need in school. What do they need in school? They need teachers that care about them. They need to learn their subject matter. They need to be college ready, career ready, you know, all that stuff. And then they need athletics to teach them the next phase, which is how to be a team member, how to be responsible and accountable and unconditionally love others. And accept unconditional love. I mean, and we've been able to do it. But I look at these other states, and I'm not going to name the governor's name, but I used to live in the state. And instead of him saying, this is what we're going to do, he talks about how everybody else is not doing what they're supposed to do. The president's doing this. He should be doing this. This person's doing this. They should be doing this. You people aren't listening to me. This community's having big celebrations when they shouldn't be. And it's just, 
dude, come out and give some advice. Here is what we're doing. Here's our guidance. Stop talking about everybody else. All right. This is our advice. This is what we're doing. And that's what y'all need in, in Illinois is the governor to come out and say, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. California, I got friends that teach and coach out there. Hey, we're not going back till January 22nd or whatever. I mean, and they're just baffled. They're baffled. Yeah, because when I talked to Coach Hines, they were supposed to start in December. Like football was going to start, and I don't know if it is now. We In Illinois, to put it nicely, we kicked the can down the road to see what it was going to find. And instead of working together, it was the governor's way or the highway. And then when other states are going back to normal as closely as you guys can, we all kind of said, well, why can't we do that? The evidence shows, because I'll get a little bit, I'll say it, bars and restaurants inside are closed again. Mm-hmm. But the Department of Health has come out and shown the numbers and said, that's not where this is coming from. It's coming from house parties. It's coming from people being not doing what they're supposed to do. It's not bars and restaurants. Bars and restaurants are doing the right thing. We have not ate in a bar or in a restaurant. We'll go pick up food, though. And when we go there, they're doing exactly what they're told to do. Masks, sanitize, people are social distance. They're doing everything they are supposed to do. And they still have to close because of a order. And then in the in our phase, we, we got to phase four reopening out of five. And then we went backwards to three. Well, now in his written rules with the metrics, we should be back to phase four right now. But he said, no, I'm going to wait till after New Year's. And then in his phase five, it's if there's a vaccine that's been given out, we should start being in phase five. And now he's going to reword his opening to like go backwards. Yeah, that's what's frustrating is. And it's almost like, and I, you know, I don't, I don't discuss, I'm a independent. I don't like either political party. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't support one candidate over another unless, you know, but because of party. Over, mm. I've picked policy and, you know, sometimes that means and that I'll, I'm going to vote for this one from this party and that one from that party. But it seems that there is there are some people that want our small businesses to be destroyed because Joe's hardware store has to close. Joe's hardware store can't open. They can't be open. But Home Depot could be open. Sell the same stuff. They just got more of it. Walmart can be open. But Joe's Sack and Shack can't. Mm-hmm. A little grocery store. It can't be open. You know, and when you, that's, that was a frustration among small business owners. You know, my wife is, a, she left education and she's a small business owner. Her business shut down, you know, for three and a half months. And, She's just now starting. We're at we're at about thirty five percent of what we were at, and it's you look at the decisions that were made and are being made, and it almost is as if there is a concerted effort to destroy the small business. And look at who made the most money because money doesn't disappear. No, all right, Coach Steve doesn't lose his job and that money disappears. No, somewhere there's been a transfer of wealth. 
All right. In the stock market, when I worked in investment banking, I'm going to buy at and I'm going to buy 100 shares. All right. Let's say it's $10 a share. I'm going to get a, the $1,000 worth of stock, but you're going to get $1,000 of money. You've sold that. Now, I'm hoping that goes up. So we haven't, I didn't take your money. I got value for it. I got something for it. So somewhere, somehow, this money that people are losing is going somewhere. Well, who, where's it going? The top one-tenth of 1% wealth grew by over a trillion dollars in the last nine months. While the middle class lost net worth by how much? Well, the middle class lost that net worth and the upper middle class. People lost that are losing their homes. Well, so they're not losing it and it's not disappearing. All right. The bank owns it. The bank got that home. The rich banker, the more JP Morgan owns that owns that house now, and then they're going to sell it. And JP Morgan's going to get the money. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the thing that scares me. And you look at three, I don't know if you know this, three trillion dollars on the original CARES Act. Mm -hmm. Okay, about 500 billion of that went to people. Three trillion with a T. All right. I type that into my phone and it gives me like letters because it can't even do that big of a number. Three trillion dollars got spent. Two point five trillion went to foreign countries, large corporations, select not for profits. And then about 500 billion, whatever, 400 billion for the PPP program that has so many strings attached. We did not do it. We, my wife doesn't really have a payroll, but we didn't qualify for unemployment because she's self-employed. She just the hoops you have to jump through. But then you look at the PPP and there's so many criteria mm -hmm. and they're like, well, you don't have to pay it back if you don't do this. And she has a girl that, you know, every once in a while works for her. And so she pays her, but it's like, I'm not going to keep paying her if we're not working and I don't know if we're going to ever come back. And then what if they decide I didn't qualify for this? And I know a lot of small business owners that said there were so many stipulations with it, but that was when it was supposed to be 14 days. You know what I mean? And then it turned mm -hmm. into nine months, but that's what scares me, Steve. That's, that's the scary part is that $2.5 trillion is our money. Yep. They act like they're giving us a gift. Hey, you're going to get 600 now, but it's our money, our money. All right. Our money, $10 million is going to Pakistan. I don't know if you know this. And the one that just got passed for gender equity studies, I'm going to do some research in Pakistan, $10 million. And it's like, man, imagine. And, and that's the thing you go all the way back, man. You said we're going to go down a rabbit hole. You're right. You go back to 2008, the TARP bill. All right. $8 trillion in I think it was eight or $10 trillion that the government put out because the banks couldn't fail, right? Even though if the bank fails, someone else is going to be able, now a small guy is going to be able to buy the big guy pennies on the dollar. And that's how people grow is someone makes a mistake. Someone else comes through and says, I'm going to take advantage of that. And I'm going to grow and buy your part. They didn't want that to happen. So they gave the banks all this money for these bad loans, but the bank still got to foreclose. See, if you can't make your mortgage payment and the bank gets the money to cover your mortgage from the government, should they be able to foreclose? They got both. 
They got the money and they foreclosed and sold your house and kicked you out. I mean, that's our system needs a uh, a remake. I'm sorry, I got on on a tangent. Steve's no. looking at me right now, going, "This is terrible." No, because people don't have those conversations, though. People don't know a lot of that. Like, I got to the point where I don't read all this anymore because I can't handle it anymore. But then, like, you're telling me this. And I'm like, maybe I should have read this because I should know this. But, like, during this pandemic, I just got tired of it. Like, I, mm -hmm. every day, about eight different things pop up. And I'm like, I can't take it anymore. Like, oh, yeah. It, it's one thing or the other. And then you see other countries, the way they handle their unemployment situation to help everybody out. And then we're doing this. And like you said, I'm not one side or the other in politics. I believe in just doing the right thing. Do the right thing. Do your job. Because this is where I'm stupid. As much money as these politicians make for working less hours than we do, I just freak out. I'm like, and during a pandemic, I would be in that office every day working till this is figured out. And that's why One I think. That's I right. Well, and I'm going to if 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 a politician is going to tell you that you can't run your business, you can't feed your family for the safety of the country. You can't feed your family. OK, so I, we can't open up. It's easy for them to say because they have a taxpayer paid salary that's guaranteed. They're going to get their salary. It's real easy when you're going to get your money to say to someone else, you can't go get yours. So they should, anytime they go to any politician, locals, state, federal, if they say you got to be at 50%, so your governor comes out and says you got to go below fit, you can't be at 50% capacity, automatically the governor and every elected official gives up 50% of their salary. We'll find out how serious this deal is at that point. Now, in Washington, it wouldn't matter because most of them are multimillionaires anyway, and they use their opportunity and they grow their wealth while they're in Washington for however they do it. However they do it. Mm -hmm. I saw it. I was reading the other day. I just started looking into this the last few days. I, I just I had to. And I read the, I started I did not read all 5300 pages of the bill last night. I read through the first. 1100 pages last night just kind of scanning it and found some of this craziness um and then there's a guy who started posting snippets the actual pictures of the bill all right and that's where i saw the pakistan deal um and again there's some don't get me wrong there's some good things in there i know i tweeted something out about about the that listed like the kennedy center and stuff like that listen i'm a fan of the smithsonian i'm a fan of all of those things what got me was all the money we're spending on foreign aid, billions on foreign aid, when we have people here that are starving. We have people here that are suffering. No one should lose their home because of a government directive. If the government is going to tell you that you can't run your business, then they should provide. Just like if the government's going to build an interstate, Steve, and they're going to buy your house, what do they have to do? Pay you fair market value. You, you may say, I'm not going to sell. They go to eminent domain. They sue you. The court says you got to sell it for the public good, but they still have to give you market value. And usually they're going to give you a little more than market value. And they're going to give you some extra money. You know, they're, they're usually going to pay you the value of the house plus a little extra because they want you to, you know, they don't just want to take it. They want you to, okay, yep. And relocation expenses, things like that. Are they doing that right now? Nope. And we've lost, look at New York City's restaurant situation. I'm sure Chicago is going to be right behind them. New York City, like, I think they said something like 25% of restaurants have already folded up. 
Mm-hmm. That's crazy. The city of Chicago is right behind them, I think. It's going to happen. I'm not by the city. I'm in DuPage County. But, like, it's going to happen. And I know restaurants here that are staying open regardless because they can't. We've talked to people like we cannot afford. So we're going to stay open until they force me because I can't. We'll never oh, come yeah, and that's There's a guy in Staten Island, New York, who did that with his restaurant. He said, we're an autonomous zone. <laughs> <laughs> you can't come in. But you talk about politics. It reminds me, um, what would it have been, 2015 or 16? Illinois was going through their budget crisis. You know, our governor was coming in. Illinois had their budget crisis thing. And like our school that I was coaching at, I wasn't working in the school. I was working third shift somewhere else and I was coaching. They originally wanted to cut all coaches pay. Every stipend would get taken away for one year, but we all had to agree to it. And we all said, no, we need that stipend. Then they said, okay, we may cut all sports. And this was happening throughout the state because they, the funding. So they cut transportation for the school for no, no transportation to sporting events. And then it turned into, there was still no budget. We're going through all of this. Then eventually somebody in Illinois, it got passed through. Okay. All you lawmakers will not get paid until a budget is done. They put a bandaid on it in a day and a half. Day and a half to two days later, this temporary budget for four months was passed. And then one of the lawmakers came out and said, it was just unright to not pay us during this time. And I was like, everything's getting cut from everybody at the time. And you have the audacity to say that. And you're making like 200 grand a year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. That's the type of stuff that, you know, they sit in the glass house and, 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 so you, we're going to do that. It's hypocritical because they're going to take your pay. But the minute that's why I think when they don't perform at the level they should, they should not get paid if they can't pass a budget. You know, this this new bill they passed was actually an appropriations bill because the government was going to shut down because they didn't do their dang job because mm-hmm. they're too busy fighting and arguing. And they should have passed this bill months ago this this new stimulus whatever you want to call it it should not have been part of an appropriations bill it should have been its own deal mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. But they should have passed this months ago. But you had leadership from both parties that, for political reasons, couldn't come together or chose not to do. It couldn't. It wouldn't come together. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is 
they have divided us in a way that it's unreal and it's divide and conquer. It's one of the first things you learn when you study history. Once you divide people, you can conquer them. And the, the way to destroy America is from within. People have been trying to destroy this country since we, you know, beat England, since we went one and oh, you know, we won the first game. And then, of course, you had France tried to come. Nope, we beat them too. You know, and then World War One, then World War Two, we went in and got that thing done. And the only thing we, uh, you know, America, what are we, 11 and 1, 11 and 2? I don't know if you call the Middle East right now a tie yet, but <laughs> Vietnam's the only one to probably say we took a, took a loss. But since America was founded, because we were founded on different values, you look at what society was, America was the first meritocracy. Everything else was a, a system of serfdom where the you had the 1% and everybody else was a basically a slave or a worker. You had the, the leadership class, the political class, the, the controlling money, and then everybody else was a worker. And you were controlled and you couldn't climb the socioeconomic ladder. Very rarely would that happen. You basically had to marry into it. Really pretty girl might meet a prince or something. And then, or, you know, maybe someone... They were barbaric at that time, so maybe someone murdered and killed and got someone's money, but you never got the status. And then America's founded, and all of a sudden it's meritocracy, got liberty and freedom. Well, that made people angry because then they didn't have control because that's what society had been till this point was control. Now you don't have control, so what's happening now? You can start with nothing, work really hard, go sell newspapers on the street, save some money, then go buy a business and make some money and then take what you're making and then because you can own property. So now you can go out and you can own property, which you were forbidden to do in previous societies unless you were one of those. So now all of a sudden you're making money and now you own property and you're renting it and then you discover oil. and But you can do those things and you have technology and people are growing businesses. So they've wanted to destroy America. They realize you can't do it from the outside. You're not going to invade America very easily. But how do you do it? You do it from the inside. And now you start to see all these reports of all these Chinese spies, all these different people who've been infiltrated. And it's kind of crazy to think about. But they've divided us to the point where we are stupid as a people. You've got middle class people on the left and middle class people on the right arguing with each other, while all the people at the top who are supposed to not like each other are laughing. <laughs> yeah, and somewhere along the way, they all forgot who they work for. They work for us. And then, then this could be a four-hour show, like if we went down that type of thing. But like, oh, yeah. like, they forgot who they work for. And then I just can't stand it. Like, it's your wrong and you're stupid. Your way means nothing. And that's kind of where I can't stand it. I love listening to people. Like, if you had a different point of view, I would listen. And I would understand where you're coming from and I'd move on. But guess what? Uh, to come full circle from sports and coaching, that's where I've learned that like there's more than one way to do this, more than one way to think, but people don't look at it that way. And instead of doing the right thing, they want to do it this way. Like I'm going to get mine. And that's that. What have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. Type of thinking. And now this is how we're here. And this pandemic has opened a lot of those doors up. But then if you bring it up, you shouldn't bring it up. You know what well, I mean? People like, don't, yeah, people don't want information. They want affirmation. Mm -hmm. That's one of our coaches said that the other day. We're, he and I don't see the same things 
politically, but we have great conversations because we respect each other's ideas and there's no monopoly on great ideas. But you can't post it anywhere or say it anywhere or you're going to lose your job. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. If you say one thing that you don't agree with. And that's why like, this is the most political I get. I don't say names. I don't say one thing or the other. Cause if I were to say it, people would, I would get, Kind of reminds me when I posted how I run inside zone one day. I should never have done that. The amount of people tell me I was wrong, or like it was actually duo or this or that. That I, I report like if I were to say anything, the amount of DMs I get from saying something would be outrageous. Wait till me. And no, sorry, like we're jumping down a rabbit hole. So it's just it's just crazy this stuff that's happened, what's opened our eyes, but it's opened our eyes to be shut. And in my opinion. The government shouldn't have had this power to shut the businesses down. But now that they have it, the government was never made for that. Yeah. Now that they have it, when it's never going away. So now when this COVID's over and there's something they don't like, shut it down. That's what's scary is just the the softening of our, our, our kind of desensitizing, mm-hmm. you know, and we've we've lost our values and um for some reason, patriotism all of a sudden is a flashpoint issue. And it just, and that, that kind of baffles me that patriotism can be that way. It's, we should be proud of our country. It doesn't mean it's perfect, man. It's broken, but it's in its imperfections that it becomes perfect because America is the only country that grows, adapts, evolves in the way it does. And it's why we have millions trying to come here that, want that dream, that opportunity. And, and part of the problem too, is that a lot of people don't realize because they've never been to a third world country. They've never, they haven't seen some of the things that I spent eight years. We talked pretty sure I didn't talk about it, but I spent eight years in the army and I got to travel to some places that people struggle. Third world countries. I've been some places where People don't have the opportunities we have. The poorest people in America would be rich there. If they came here and saw how how our bottom 5% live, they would beg to live that way. That's why people want to come here. Because even in the biggest struggles here, people live better than in a lot of those places. So I think there's too many people that they focus on the And yes, there are issues. Uh, we have got to do better in so many ways. You know, the the flashpoint of the whole George Floyd thing, I think, got people saying, wait a minute, you're right. You know, because I talked to some of my friends that that they don't have the same pigmentation in their skin as me. They are phenomenal people, but they do. They go through some things that are tough that I don't go through. If I drive through a neighborhood at night, I don't I'm not going to get they'll get harassed. You know, I think we have issues. We've got to fix those issues. That doesn't mean you're a terrible place because America's willing. Here's where, what it makes America special. We're willing to fix them. Mm-hmm. There are other countries where if you are not the right religion, they're not going to change for you. They're always going to be that way. But America, we're willing to say we need to do better. We have to be better. And we're failing in this way. Let's get better. But for some reason... You can't say it's a great country without a flashpoint. And again, I'm not a fan of the guy who's leaving office at all. I mean, I think 
what he should have titled his last nine months should have been how to make everybody hate me on both sides. <laughs> I mean, he just said some things that just, gosh, I mean, that's, and I, I didn't like either candidate. I don't, I'm not a fan of either candidate. I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't walk in there with a good conscience and check either one of them. Nope. Uh, what I said in 2016, I said, this is what we have. And then in 2020, I was like, this is what we have. That's all I said about it. I was like, I'm not smart enough for politics, but I was just like, this is what we produce. 330 million people, and these are the best two, which shows you something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the answer. I don't know how to fix it. But I just know that as, as Americans, we deserve better. And it starts with leadership. And it starts with the people in leadership positions acting like leaders and not children. And that's the biggest thing. If Can you imagine if, I mean, most places, football coaches, you have a district meeting or you have a conference meeting. Could you imagine if the coaches acted like our politicians? You know, football coaches from different schools are going to disagree, but at the end of the day, we're going to end up coming to an agreement that this is what's right and we're going to get it done. And ever it's going to be probably a win-win with maybe someone's going to feel a little bit hurt, but but at least we're going to be mature. And these people are children. And that's yeah. what makes me mad. They're children. And then they talk down to us. You know, the leadership from both parties talks, they, they think we're stupid because we act like it, you know, because we keep electing them. God, we keep electing them. Why? And it's top to bottom. It's that whole both sides for the stimulus deal, like every side, they're all, we're better than you and we know it. Like that's their thinking. And and I've told people this and I said it earlier, somewhere along the way, politicians forgot who elected them in there and they forgot they work for the people and represent us. Somewhere along the way, side deals have been made. They've gotten some money. Because that's another question is if their pay is $100,000 a year, but they're worth $2 million, where'd that $2 million come from? So somewhere along the way, this has happened. And we've turned our heads the other way because we just kind of hope that they're going to do the right thing. And we turn our heads. And this pandemic where we've had more time to really look at it and pay attention and realize what's going on, now people are asking questions. And they don't like when questions are being asked about why this is happening. And that's why I said, if Nick Saban would run for office, I'd vote him in. Nick Saban would help fix this. Oh, him, yeah. and, him and Dabo Sweeney and Ed Orgeron, put them up in there. They'll get this done. Oh, like, yeah. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. I'd be a Mike there. Tomlin fan. You know, even I know he didn't do well at Illinois, but old Lovey Smith, he'd be a heck of a good leader. You know, he know. made some mistakes there, obviously, but don't you think oh. Lovey'd be a good governor? Oh, don't get me started on Lovey as the college football coach. Oh, he, I gave, he, I gave he did some years. things. He came into a bad situation, as an Illinois fan, a bad situation. He had to rebuild, and he did. But, like, there was a big disconnect with him and the Illinois coaches. He never once came into a school. Uh, it just never looked like he was that excited. He was at first, and then, like, just never was that excited. And it just seemed like now I think it's because he's I think deep down he's an NFL guy. The way he walked and talked and acted was like I'm an NFL guy. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But Coach Bielema here, he is really excited to be at Illinois and excited for him. But yeah, I think Lovey could go in there and with all of them and do that. I think Lovey could, because he's very politically correct. Every answer he gave was politically correct. Mm-hmm. Then you have Coach but he's Bielema. also a leader. He's going to make definitive decisions. He right. just, he, he made it, like you said, he made his mistake by not every college, I'm a, every college coach, every, especially division one. All right. That's what I love about guys like Nick Saban. He's going to go into every high school and he's going to pose for pictures and he knows that people are going to come talk and he doesn't, he's busy, you know, probably wants to just, Hey, I want to go in. I want to see this kid. I want to, but he's going to, people are going to come up and, and he's always polite and friendly. He's gonna be and old uh, Belam is the same way. You know, he's he knows that I've got to be this person in public. I've got to go show up at the coaches' association meetings. And and then the other thing is like we're going through right now. I got to recruit local. You know, Lubbock. We're going through it with Texas Tech. Going back to the Tuberville era. You know, Leach always got a couple of guys from the area, and there's some good football here, and there's some good athletes, but the best receiver in this area went to TCU two years ago. He didn't even get an offer from Tech. Quarterback going to Mississippi State didn't get an offer from Tech. We've got an offensive lineman with Pac-12 offers, Big 12 offers, SEC offers. He doesn't have an offer from the local school yet. Our receiver that was really good this year got offered. He's going to TCU. He signed with them. He didn't get a local offer, and every and it, what it does is maybe you don't want him, but tell us why, and be seen locally, like all those all those especially if you're a state school. Illinois, you need to be going into all the Illinois schools. That's what Kirk Ferentz is such a good. He'd be a good another good one. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa understood. Yeah. I've got to keep the fan base. And I've got a recruit. I can get linemen and a, occasionally a quarterback and maybe a couple linebackers, tight ends. I can get those guys local. And he drew a circle and said, we're going to lock down this radius. We're going to get the state of Iowa. And then we're going to get into Illinois and Northeast Missouri. And he's done such a great job with that. And then we're going to go get some skill guys in New Mexico, or sorry, New Jersey, Florida, mm-hmm. Texas. And then they go get some skill guys. Georgia, they'll get it. They got the running back out of Georgia. He's such a good coach with that. And there's so many guys that don't get it. And then they think they're the big time. You are big time. You're getting big time money. So treat the high school coaches right. And if you're a high school coach, treat the middle school coaches right. And if you're a big time guy that's won 20 state championships, treat the guy that hasn't won one with respect. I mean, how hard is that to lift people up? Here at the Coach Steve Show podcast, we're very excited for our new sponsor for the show, the Launchpad Kickoff Tee. Pretty exciting that they wanted to sponsor the podcast and very um, excited for the opportunity to be sponsored by them. Um, The Launchpad Kickoff Tee is a very unique 
kickoff tee. It's there's nothing like it. It is created so that way you can place the football however you want it. You want it to stand up higher. It can stand up higher. If you want it, you know, to make it down lower to make the football be kicked off and go farther, it can do that. You want to place it to the side. You want it to stand straight up however you want. You could put it upside down if that's the thing. However you want, the launch pad kickoff tee can let you do that. So if you're a coach and you have a younger guy or a developing kicker who is not reaching the end zone at all times, this is the perfect kickoff tee for you. The reason is that it gives a coach a strategic options on squibs and onside kicks that were never available before. This kickoff tee is legal for the NCAA use and for all high schools at the National Federation High School Association. The Launchpad kickoff tee, it is a game changer, guys. Having one here is a complete game changer. Check out the videos that they've posted. It's, it's amazing stuff to see what the kickers can do once they get this and get the kicking down and use this tee. So for now, what I need you to do, if you're interested in looking at it and going to buy one, please go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. And when you buy the one tee, use the code CSS to get 10% off. But also there are other options using the same link. If you want to buy two, you can get 25% off. If you think you need more and want to go buy the four pack option, you can buy three and get one of them for free. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS and use the code CSS and go get this game-changing kickoff tee for all you kickers and you coaches today. Yeah, it, it's free. Cost yep. you nothing to do it. it it's free. It, we came back full circle because you talked about middle school coaches earlier about I'm a no-person coach in Illinois. But like you said, like, I've been nothing but varsity my whole life. I've been thrown into the fire. 18 years old, varsity coach. You're going to help with varsity. Nothing else. I've known nothing else. But anytime that freshman coach wanted help, I walked down there and helped. I'd help coach quarterbacks or linemen because I knew that's where the t- – like, first time I was OC, we saw the seventh grade class have 60 kids. And now in Illinois, that's a big class, like for football. And we said we got to keep them. So we went to the JFL. They said to us, well, we don't know how to keep all 60 kids. And we said, what do you mean? Well, how do we play them all? And we're like, well, you name their offenses. Like maybe this is the Illinois offense. Like give them a cool name of a college. And this is the Illinois team. Like whatever. Like give them a name. Offense one, offense two. I don't care. But then their question to me was, how do we win? And I said, we were like, what? JFL, that's not your job. Your job's not to win. Because uh, I don't know if you know Coach Leonard at Rochester. He speaks a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. He's won eight of the last 10 state titles. Seven of them have been class four in Illinois. And the last one he won was in 5A because they bumped him up because they didn't think it was fair anymore. And I and we said, okay, when you drive into Rochester by Springfield, do you see at the time he had won five in a row? We said, do you see five-time state title JFL Rockets or five-time state title high school Rochester Rockets? And they said, high school, and they said, you answered my question for me. Your job is to develop them, keep them around, keep the game fun, and then you're like, help us. You're that important to help. And I think we've gotten to this thing of we have to win and kids get run off. And by the time that class got to freshmen, there's 30 of them left out of 60. Well, and that's the other thing with those guys. You can do it. You know, you can still win. you got to be strategic. I remember I was at a freshman game several years ago. and. Um, 
watching our freshman team and freshman coach turns to me. It's a 14-14 game. It's the middle of the fourth quarter. And he says, oh, hey, I got these two guys. How do I get them in? Why are you asking me that in the fourth quarter? Play everybody early in the game. Mm-hmm. And then in the about the middle of the third quarter of a tight game through the fourth, then your dudes play. But in those first two quarters, rotate those kids in because everybody's got 100 receivers. And I guarantee you're probably not throwing the ball every play at the junior high level or freshman level. So rotate those kids in at receiver and let them get out there. Let their mama take a picture of them out there blocking someone. You know, and you just kind of roll those guys in and out, let them run plays in and out. And then, like you said, you have the – we had the the bomb squad, all right? And the bomb squad would – the second series of every game, the bomb squad went in. And then we had what we did a little different back in the day. We're not doing this now because we don't have the same numbers. But when we had those numbers of kids, what we did was we had 11 offensive starters, 11 defensive starters, 11 kickoff starters, 11 kick return starters, 11 punt starters, 11 punt return starters, and 11 extra point starters. Extra point block, we just left the defense. So we had 11 different guys for all those units. There were about 70 kids playing on one team. Well, now we're able to get 66 of them are starters. So they got to go home and tell mom and daddy, I'm a starter. And parents know, they know, you know, some of them, wish their kid was better, but they usually know when they don't have athleticism and whatnot. But Mm -hmm. we're not here to break that dream. We're going to coach them to be the best they can be, and we're going to play them so they want to be here. And then you rotate those. Hey, bomb squad, second series, you're in. Had the bomb squad offense, bomb squad defense, and they were different. So you have 11 starters on O, 11 starters on D. You got 22 kids. Now you got the bomb squad going to play the second series, and they know it, so they're geared up. What do you got there? Another 22. So you got 44 kids just played in the first quarter, in mm-hmm. the first two series. And then if you punt, you got 11 more running out. Now you got 55 kids have been in the game. Oh, and then you get a stop and got 55 more running out for punt return. Now are 60. Now you're up to 55 kids. Or I'm not good at math. You got a <laughs> lot of kids been in. Isn't that? Yeah. I mean, it's simple. Yeah, and I don't know if it's an Illinois thing or not, but some JFL think don't think that way. And again, does it come down to they want to be varsity coaches so they have to prove themselves? And I try to look at it. I'm like, I was thrown into the fire. This is the only life I know. There's a part of me that's like, I wish I coached freshmen. It's not as serious. I could have really – it took me years to really develop how to coach because I was at the varsity JV level the whole time where it's more fast-paced. Like, this is the stuff they already know. Then a part of me is like, I wish I would have done freshmen to really learn how to specifically coach. But you know what? It made me better for because I went through the fire. I went through the hard times, and now it's better. So I try to tell these guys, you guys are more important than me. What you do is way more important. Like, it's because of, when you see teams winning state titles, it's because of those freshman and middle school coaches because they yep. kept them around. They developed them. If you have that relationship with them, because I know in Texas, you know, middle schools feed into the high schools. They all work together. Illinois, it's a little different. When I was just coaching at Glumbard East up here, the, the, the youth program filtered into Glumbard East, but also filtered into Glumbard South. So there, it's hard to be like, this is what we want the high school to do. Or this is what we do. This is kind of what the direction we need to go. So up in the burbs, it's a little harder. And then it can also go to private school. That kid could leave the youth in middle school and go oh, to yeah. a private school. 
So some places it's easy to do that. Some places it's hard to have that connection. When you can, and what we used to say in the, in the, when we were in the Bronx, we didn't, there's no junior high sports in New York city. We used to tell the, we, what we did was we opened our field, got a couple of uh, groups to come in and play there. And that helped. We see you can play your games here on Sunday afternoons. You can practice here in the evenings. We get off field at seven o'clock. You can have the field after that. You got to do the permit process. You know, everybody has to do the permits and all that. But then they, one of them said, well, if we come there, do we have to run your stuff? No, because you're separate. You're your own deal. You do what you do. But all we ask is that you encourage kids, come play for us and let us come talk to your kids. And we're going to be at your practices once in a while. We're going to be at your games and we're going to run a clinic and we'll show you guys some individual and group drills you can do. But we were in that situation where, you know, we couldn't, we could tell them. I mean, and one year they talked about trying to run our stuff, but they weren't comfortable with it. They wanted to run kind of what they did. And that was, they were double wing. And all we wanted the kids to do is come in knowing how to get in a stance, how to play really hard and love football. And then we'll teach them how to block. We'll teach them how to tackle. We'll teach them our verbiage. We'll teach them all that stuff. Now it is an advantage in Texas because you get the middle schools. So now we can teach them all the all of our. We get want them to love football, want them to learn how to get in a stance. But now we get to teach them how to block and tackle our way, just at an earlier age, and it helps. Art Bryles in his his book, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but um, in his book, something Goliath, he talks about. And Bryles was a very successful high school coach in Texas. He said, mm-hmm. "I told my coaches, see middle schools." And high schools typically play or uh, JV freshmen. We call it sub varsity, but JV freshmen and junior high play Thursdays typically in smaller towns. And Bryles, you say, I told my guys, we're not going to get fired because we don't win on Thursday night. Your job is to get them ready so that on Friday nights we don't get fired. And that's how he talked to him. He said, I want everybody to play. I want everybody to play early. I want everybody to play a lot. I don't want a kid to play two plays. Because like John Parchman at Midland Lee said, that seventh grade B-team kid may be Cedric Benson. But he hasn't grown yet. He hasn't developed. And shoot, I'd say three or four or five of our starters this year were B-team kids. You know, back when I was at Lubbock Coronado, we had a C-team for freshmen. And some of those C-team kids went on to be starters. You know, it's, they grew. They went from 5'2 to 6'5". Can't teach mm-hmm. that. No, I was a Bears fan, so I know Cedric Benson. Watch him as a Bears fan. It's funny you said, I was like, I'm a Bears fan. I know who that is. Some people don't know who that is. I'm like, I know. Because uh, he played at Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, uh, he was He was a phenomenal high school player. So I love how we've done this podcast, not talked football one time. We've gone down some rabbit holes, and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> um, so I know I've taken all your time. I can start to wrap it up, or if you need to go do something, but um, I have one of your books. It's one of the RPO books, and I love it. Um, using the RPO in any offense. I was just going to ask, like, how did you come up with writing that? Like, what made you want to share that knowledge? Because some coaches don't share knowledge. Well, kind of like we were talking about, we, we don't help each other out. You, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we we have an football is an interesting profession in that you have, you know, in every business, every industry, there's clinics, there's conferences, there's conventions. And there is that in football. But football is one of the few where you can go visit people and they let you in. You know, I don't know if Mattel is letting Hasbro come in and look at what toys they're making. You know what I mean? 
I don't know if Exxon is letting Gulf Oil come in and look at how they're doing wells. Now, maybe they are sharing some information, but I know that in football, not everybody, but as a fraternity of coaches, for the most part, if you're interested in something, you can find someone who's going to help you. Now, some people are closed up. They're not going to. Um, we started having some success with RPOs. People were loading the box in the early 2000s really bad. So that's how we got started on it. And, you know, I started writing a blog. Just I'm, I enjoy writing. It's therapeutic. But I'm also talented at it somewhat. Now, I'm not great, but but it's something that I'm that I'm decent at and I have a passion for. For whatever reason, a lot of people that hate hate writing, I like writing. So that's kind of how it started was I wrote a blog post and and a coach reached out to me and they came and visited. And he said, have you ever thought about writing a book on this? I was like, I don't know. You know, I wrote two books with Coach's Choice. They had asked me to, I'd done some videos with them. They asked me to write 101 Pistol Option Plays, 101 Pistol Run Plays. So I'd written those. The process was very strenuous. There were 5,000 different edits of it. They were sending it back to me. I was, it took years to get done. I was like, I don't know. And then someone said, well, you could do this on iBooks. I was like, what's iBooks? And it was Apple's version of Amazon Kindle, but you could put video. So that's kind of how it started was I said, well, let me just see this. I started writing it. I shared it with a couple of people and they thought it looked pretty good. And that's what it was about was people were asking, I get, got a lot of questions and you know, I, I'm, absolutely not trying to say I'm important at all. So don't take it this way at all. I just, I get, I, I'm open to coaches. I'll help anyway. And I email guys cause I don't know very much. So I ask guys a lot of questions, but I get a lot of emails every day from people asking questions. And with RPOs, I was getting the same questions kind of over and over. And I was like, man, I'm, that's kind of how it started. And then I shared it with a couple of the guys. What do you think? And a couple of coaches that I've become friends with over the years said it looks looks like something that would be good and then not very many people have at that point had iPhones or iPads so iBooks not very many people were able to get it but it had video so it's really cool so I looked at Amazon and ended up doing it that way so that's kind of how that RPO book got started was I'm getting asked a lot of questions a lot of people would like to know how to do this there wasn't it there was nothing out there at the time Mm -hmm. Now there's stuff out there, you know, Rich, Rich, uh, is it Hargit or Hargit? Mm -hmm. I, I don't, uh, he does, uh, he phenomenal. I follow all his stuff. He is really one that shares a lot of information. It's Coach Darman from Kansas. He mm -hmm. shares a ton of information now. Um, there's some guys out that are sharing some stuff and putting stuff out there. But that's really kind of how it started. And I want to put a shameless plug in. We've probably driven them all off, but I did. I that's kind of how this came about. This finding faith mm -hmm. was the same type of deal. I just I've been going through a journey. This has been a very tough year for my family. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but we've we had a couple devastating things happen this year um, with with our family here in the house, and really really tough. And um, just as we went through this process, I started to reevaluate who I was, who I wanted to be, and realized that I need to change to be a better coach, to be a better husband, better father, better leader, better role model. I didn't get put here to be average. 
And I felt like as a, I was putting everything into being a coach and nothing into being a great man. And I need to be better. So that's how that, and then I started writing and same type of deal. I just started writing and it ended up becoming a book. Someone, I shared it with a couple people. They said, man, this, other people need to read this because there are people that feel the same thing. So I poured my, I was uncomfortable because I poured my heart out. Mm-hmm. And normally I don't share my business with people, but um, I just, it did. Now I've had emails and calls from people and uh, my daughter here wants a ponytail in the Barbie. <laughs> this is what being a dad is about. Say hi. Hi. This is what being a dad is all about. I learned how to do a ponytail in her hair. I don't think I can do it in this doll. But we're going to try. But anyway, that's how it came about. And I, I think that's something that, you know, I I love sharing information. It's why I write the blog. I love being able to share information, present things that someone might be able to use. I don't have all the answers. I don't know, you know, a whole lot about a whole lot. But I'm going to take the little bit I know and try to share it in a way that maybe it impacts someone else and helps them. And if you can help someone else to to grow their program, to grow as a coach, to grow as a person, that's that's what life really is about. Because we're going to live a lot longer in the eternal than we do right here. So we we need to live for the eternal and not live for the right now. Yeah, because... I know a lot of coaches that help, but you come across people like, nope, I'm not going to give you the secret sauce is what like Coach Mackey says. I love it. He's like, you don't have to give me the secret sauce. And like, they just don't. Yeah. Or you give me 200 bucks, I'll tell you, or 300 bucks. And that's where it's like, it's one thing to buy a book or do that. That, That's, that's fine. Love it. Because I can read it forever. But giving you $300 for you to tell me something, I was like, no, like that shouldn't be how it is. You know, like, I'm probably going down a completely different rabbit hole and I'm not trying to, but that's just some of the things you come across where it's like, why not? It goes back to everything we just talked about. Why not help each other? Why not do the right thing? Why not help you grow to, and help other people grow? Like your book you're talking about, I saw you posted it. I need to get it. And I keep forgetting, but like, I was like, that's just an example of helping people. And it's fantastic, but people just don't. Well, and you know, I, I wrote that to make, just to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not even worried about making money off it because I'm not, you know, but by the time and- Amazon takes their cut, I make about a buck a book and that's fine. You know, sell a hundred of them, make a hundred dollars, you know, I'll take my wife out for a date night or something, but I wanted to price it so that it was easy for people to buy because I think the information in there, you know, I'm not a, I'm not Joel Osteen or, you know, John Maxwell, I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm just a regular guy, a regular person like them who's discovered the power of salvation. And I want to share it in layman's terms. And this is this is how I think that this is where I screwed up. This is how I'm trying to be better. This is where I... No, uh, no I appreciate you writing that book. I need to get it. Like what you were saying, helping people out. But I, I, that's on my list to get after this holiday is to get that. Well, check it out. I'm working on a couple things for the blog right now um, on some defensive stuff from when I was a DC and then also some stuff with inside zone 
um, really thinking about and maybe writing a book on inside zone. I'm not sure yet. I may just put it in the blog post, but I, like you said, you know, you have guys out there that it almost becomes a business and that's where I draw a line. Like I'm trying to make a, with some of this stuff, like the RPO book, I, you know, again, I priced it. Like when books were 20 bucks, it was 10 or eight or something, you know, just make a few dollars here and there. And, I had a few people actually reach out to me, mad at me, coaches that sell books for more, that charge more and told me that that's bad because we should get paid for this. And, you know, it's just one of those things. But, you know, I think at the same time with sharing, it is nice when we can, because when none of us are paid enough for the time we put in, when you can make a few extra dollars to provide a valuable service or product. But I, I kind of, you know, I got, asked by a large organization to do a system um, and they were going to pay me handsomely to do it. I just didn't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I told him, I don't want all my, I don't want our signals online. Mm -hmm. I don't all our verbiage necessarily. Um, But then it's funny because then I, I did a couple courses on coach tube on installing RPOs and I give, I give it all away. <laughs> it's all in there. We didn't hide anything, but I like doing small pieces for people because, you know, coaches are going to do what they're going to do and they're just looking for one or two things and nothing wrong with the system. I know, you know, a lot of guys that sell a system and it's, uh, and it's great. Um, I know a good, really good friend of mine, a kid who played quarterback for me, went into coaching, ran our stuff, and then he got into the end zone and he loved it. Absolutely loved it. He said it was similar to what we did, but some different verbiage and then some different things that uh, Coach Mazzoni did and stuff like that. You know, that's that's there's nothing wrong with it. But kind of like you said, it's it's frustrating when someone who sells the system won't give you a little bit of information for free. Yeah, like then there's some coaches that do give you little nuggets. Like you said, they'll give you some things, but it's like, if you want the whole picture, you have to be, a you know, do that, which is fine. That part's fine. Cause then you can at least ask them questions and they'll give you some guidance. Then there's some where you ask them, they say, well, if you go to this website and put your credit card right here and spend $300 a year, you can find out. Yeah. Cause I don't mind people selling stuff to make some money. Cause you're right. You have to do something to value your time, but then it's like, you won't even help. And yeah. I know, I'm not going to say names. There's a lot of coaches on Twitter that do that. They help you. If I were to send them a message right now, how do you guys block this inside zone? They would tell me. Now, if I wanted to go more in depth of like, what do they tag with RPOs and this and that, maybe they'll say you have to join, but at least they help me out initially. Or they might say, hey, go ask so-and-so. You know, maybe you go, I'm just thinking, I'm about, maybe go ask Coach Mackey. He might tell you. Or go ask Coach Vint. He might know. Like they might just point you to somebody. Yeah. Or they'll say, or you'll get a D, someone will post, send me a DM mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll DM me. And that's, there are times when I don't put, like, I won't share like a certain tag or something that, that we do on Twitter as a tweet. But if someone DMs and starts asking questions, well, then I'll share it and I'll say, and I'll ask them, Hey, keep that between us. It's something that, that we do. And once you do it, then share it. But right now, keep it here because we've all every idea I have is stolen. Not <laughs> one of it is not one thing is original. I'm a thief. I've stolen everything. Like, you know, Jerry Campbell was my coaching mentor. Jerry taught me midline load and veer and then how to run ISO. 
And then he taught me the zone read and then did some more research. And he taught me zone read, trap read, and counter read. And then from there, out of the gun. And then from there, with RPOs, we stumbled upon some stuff there. But even like the pistol stuff, we were running the pistol very early. But we saw a coach in Ohio speaking at a clinic in the 90s. And they were running the pistol. So we didn't, we, you know, we got it from, from him. You know, a lot of people run power, different variations. Well, power has been around for hundred years of football, you know, and too often we give ourselves too much credit. You know, we throw the glance post to the, at the boundary safety. We didn't invent that. We saw someone else do it and said, that's really good. Let's do it. Here's how we're going to teach it. And so I think that's important, but I think, you know, that's a neat thing. That's how I started doing the, the play of the day that I've been putting out. I tweeted mm-hmm. out morning a formation with the defense yep. and I've been taking guys. Have, so I started off, I was like, I wonder how, what would people run if they saw this defense? Cause I know what we did and we didn't do very well against it. So let me see. So I posted something and saw all these responses. And, and then I saw a college team run a formation against the defense and they ran right into the teeth of it and lost yards and, I wonder what a bunch of high school guys would say. So I posted it on Twitter and all these guys were, and I'm, man, I'm right. I'm taking pages of notes from the responses from coaches and it's fun. And now sometimes I'll drop an exotic formation. Sometimes guys, coaches have been sending me, Hey coach, (laughs) do this one tomorrow versus this change this defense and do it this way. So I've been taking some of those and, so it's just, it's fun. That's why though. So guys share ideas. I just want to encourage guys to share because that's, that's what this time is about. Sharing, getting better. Don't, they, you know, my, the first high school coach that, that I worked for, David Diaz used to say, I don't care if they know what's coming. They got to stop it. And if they stop it, they stop it. Great. But let's not beat ourselves. Yeah. Like, you, you should be able to hand your playbook the day of the game or that practice and be like, you got to stop me though. You got to figure it out. And I've always had that mentality. My head coach was like that. He was like, there you go. Cause you ran, we ran the power eye option back in the day. And so he was like, you got to figure it out. And here's my playbook, figure it out. That's just how it was. That's right. If we ran 10 midline and they stopped it, great. We're going to run 13 the other way. Like you, you figured it out. We're going to do this. Um, See, I forgot. I was going to say something else and I forgot. Um, Oh, I remember. So our inside zone at a school I was at, we do more double teams than anything for inside zone. We don't step to the right or left and go straight up the field. And they did that when I got there and I was kind of in awe. I was like, oh, this is not how you guys do inside zone. You just double team everywhere. And he goes, yeah, we don't have athletic linemen to get up to the linebackers. So I'd rather double team, control the line of scrimmage, but still read the end. And I thought, and we went 10 and one that year. Like it worked. Mm-hmm. So during this quarantine, I've talked to some coach and like, well, that looks like duo. You're just not blocking the end, but that's duo concepts. And it's not inside zone. So one day on Twitter, I drew it up on huddle and I post on Twitter and I said, guys, this is my inside zone. That will always be my inside zone. I think this is what we did at a school. I was at, we were 10 and one. What do you guys, for you guys out there in Twitter, what do you call this? And I should never have done that. The responses I got, Oh, that's inside zone. Then somebody said, well, the way you have the running back drawn up, it, the principles of that tell me it's duo or it's inside zone. That can't be inside zone. That's this, this, and this. It was just ridiculous. 
not one question about, oh, why do you guys call this inside zone? Or like, how did you come up with this? Or why is this? It was none of that. It was, you're wrong. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. The zone people came out of the woodwork. Yeah, that's a that's a tough deal right there when people do that. Because there's, you know, everybody that co- that's been coaching more than a year knows there's more than one way to do things. What you call stubby, we might call, you know, crown. What you call zone might be something. And that's the, the you know, I, I was at one school coaching on the defensive side where they had an offensive play called zone, but it was not a zone play. It was actually an option play off of ISO blocking. It was different. So, you know, that's something that everybody's going to call something something different. So it can be the same thing. And there's more than one way to do it. I know when I was young, I used to think that people, oh, I can't do pigtails. Yeah, now you're out of, now you got me out of my comfort zone. Can't do pigtails. <laughs> uh, I can do the ponytail. Um, but that's where, you know, because we've done inside zone both ways. We've blocked it like you're blocking it. We call that an inside near ear vertical push where we essentially block it like duo where you're stepping and all it is is this normally on inside zone you're going to step front side right mm-hmm. uncovered you would step front side and work with the covered guy in front of you the way you're blocking it the way that we've also done it we go right every year it's a discussion we talk about how we want to do it now you're going to block back the uncovered guy he's going to combo with the guy Instead of the guy adjacent to him play side, it's the guy adjacent to him backside. And then you're still working to the same linebacker. Mm-hmm. It's just who you combo. Are you comboing front side or backside? And that's a good point that your coach had. You know, athleticism is is part of it. We talk about back vision. Um, can we get movement? Like if we have an offensive lineman, let's say we have a, a tackle, you know, that or let, let's use a guard, better example. If we have a guard who, when he gets a three technique, is going to get knocked back because penetration kills inside zone, where if he's working with the adjacent center, that center can't help if that three's going B-gap. That center's really going to end up climbing. So now we got a bad play. So if we can't handle that vertical movement by the three technique, we need to gap it, Mm -hmm. block it the other way. You know, so that's kind of how we look at it. Um, and that way we get a gap combo where we're stepping hip to hip, you know, well, I, and then, then we found that if we did that, we're stealing reps for power because it's similar to blocking power. So now we're telling them it's zone and then we're going to power and we're doing the exact same drills and we're just stealing reps. We're stealing the same thing. And so when we run power, you keep the blocking rules similar. So now they're not thinking as right. much. Anytime that you can take and, and cross train from one play to another using the same skill and drill, it certainly makes life much better. And it gives you more opportunities to get better because you have to teach less skill. The less skill you have to teach, the better you can get at the skills you are teaching. You know, mm-hmm. we all know at the end of the day, you have to have good athletes to win. You have to have good athletes to be successful. But it's more than that. At, then it's going to come down to coaching. And your athleticism will get you to a certain point. But if you don't coach them well, you're going to be average. 
if you don't have great athletes, but you coach your guys really, really well and you get really good at what you do, you may not, maybe you won't be able to win a state title because you're in a really competitive division or whatever, but you're going to get the very most out of your guys. Mm-hmm. I think that's where sometimes we think, well, I don't have great kids, so I can't be good. No. Or you think we got really good players, so we don't have to coach them that hard. Both those are wrong. No matter what kids you have, coach them really hard. Yep. Well, Coach, I've taken a lot of your time, but I appreciate you coming on and going down some rabbit holes. We went down some rabbit holes, but yeah, we may not get out of them. We may not get out of them. I may have to go to a podcast right now and jump back in <laughs> or just stay there. But thank you so much for coming on my lonely podcast. That out. <laughs> You may want to go, eh, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm honored that you invited me on. No, I appreciate it. Everybody has said yes, and I can't believe it. So uh, hopefully these types of podcasts shoot it through the roof. Like, it just catapults itself. Get more people to listen and more people to learn. That's all. That's what it's about. So That's right. So anybody that listens, go check out Coach Vin on Twitter. Go get his book. That's on my list to do. Stay safe, wear your mask so I we can coach football in February. So all right, guys out there, stay safe. I'll see you next time. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over eighty casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.